Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the show, the Chase Jarvis Live Show. In today's micro show, I wanted to share a little bit of insight from yours truly from me appearing on another podcast. Now, I appeared on Zach Arnold's podcast. Zach is a friend of Ramit Seti's. Ramit, who you know, uh, congratulations again, Ramit, on your new Netflix show. Uh, Ramit introduced me to Zach, and I don't do a ton of podcasts when I'm not out there um, creating uh, awareness for a particular project that I'm putting out in the world. You know, you maybe remember I did a you know collaboration in my own case with shoe or when I drop a book or whatever. I tend to organize my appearances around that sort of stuff so I can maintain a lot of you know energy and creative vitality in my private life. And every once in a while, I will go on another show because I love talking about the things that I'm doing, building, um, and this is one of those examples. And Zach, um, not only is he a buddy of Ramit, but he is uh, an award-winning Hollywood editor. He's produced some stuff. He's a director. And he was affiliated with the American Ninja Warrior program. And this particular podcast that he hosts is called Optimize Yourself. So what you're about to hear is me appearing on Zach's show, Optimize Yourself. And in this show, we talk about a lot of the stuff that you you probably pay attention to this show for, right? Things like creativity as a life amplifier, how fundamental it is to us being the best versions of ourselves. Uh, how specifically shall we go about discovering that creative calling, whether this is a shout or a whisper? We all have creative callings in our heart and our soul. Um, we talk in the show about how to uncover those. We talk about self-doubt, right? Uh, it's a very common thing. It's a known attribute of creating new things and putting them out in the world that there is self-doubt around that. And, you know, one of the antidotes that I have come up with in managing self-doubt is building a supportive community. So we talk a lot about the community aspects. Uh, and one of my favorites and the way I like to think about, you know, build my life is having as long a view as possible, right? Long-term vision allows you to make really smart decisions, right? If you're focused on the near term or if you are forced to think in short term, you know, I need to, you know, make some money to, you know, pay my mortgage next week, then you're probably willing to do some uh, less ideal things for that money. So we talk in this show uh, about my passion for long-term vision, long-term commitment, and and how that helps each of us achieve uh, bigger, better, stronger uh, creative goals. So I'm going to get out of your way, and I hope I'm going to encourage you to um, tune in to Zach uh, after today's show. He's got a great show again, the uh, Optimize Yourself podcast. But today's episode is me answering questions from Zach Arnold on the Optimize Yourself podcast. Enjoy. Chase, holy crap, am I excited to have today's conversation. You have no idea. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the show, Zach. Excited to connect through a mutual friend and happy to be here. 
Yeah, and I could easily spend the next 45 to 60 minutes just continuing your bio. Short list of some of the other things being you designed a shoe for K-Swiss. You created the first social sharing app for photographers called Best Camera before Instagram with millions yep. of users. You are a former athlete. And I say all of this because it factors very much into this conversation of what it means to be a polymath and the value in being somebody who's creative with varied interests and not necessarily a specialist. Yeah. And what we're I want to start, and this is uh, this. I'm going to do my best to not get emotional, but <laughs> discovering okay. you fairly recently has been a very emotional journey for me because what you've done is you've allowed me to give myself permission to be who I am. I have spent so many years of my career being told this is what you need to do. You do this one thing. And as you talk about a lot, I have essentially, and I don't like to say I've mastered a craft. I've developed an extremely high level of expertise expertise in the craft of film and television editing. But then I realized that was my entire identity. And there's so many other things that I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, since I had that discovery, it was, well, I want to become an American Ninja Warrior and I want to start a business and I want to teach and I want to be a coach and I want to write a book. I'm like, but I can't find an avatar because everybody says, find somebody that's doing now what you want to be doing next. I'm like, there's nobody. And then boom, <laughs> one day in Facebook, a friend of mine in my network says, you guys should check out this book, Creative Calling. And I look at it and I'm like, how did I not know that this existed? And I have become absolutely obsessed with your work, your oh, journey, man. your accomplishments. And if I found one person where I said, I want to be them when I grow up, I think it's now Chase Jarvis. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And one of the things that I would focus on out of what you just shared is uh, the idea that we are told to do X. We are programmed and that, you know, I want to be clear, there's not some dark overlord that is, you know, driving the, uh, the entire simulation here and forcing us to do things we don't want to do. But the reality is that we have so many inputs in our, you know, our journey, our human journey here that, um, and they all tend to coalesce around, you know, common denominators, like, you know, safety and simplicity and, things that already exist in status quo. And, and that is generally for a good reason. And you get that information from people who love you and care about you, your parents, your career counselor, your friends, your peers, uh, because they are constructing their vision of the world around what they see in the world. And yet, if you identify as a creator or creative or even creative curious, there's something gnawing at you that says, yeah, but we could do something a little more here. We could do something a little different. And that reconciliation or the struggle to reconcile those two, you know, sometimes there's a very yawning gulf between those two ideas, what the world says you can do and be and become. And, you know, what you aspire to do, you know, take your own case in point, uh, you wanted to do all these things. And yet, you know, from all those people, parents, friends, career counselors, et cetera, you know, they are prescribing this and that sort of dichotomy, the tension between those creates a lot of uh, difficult experiences for people. And if we can do one thing in this world, and if I, you know, if I say I, I have been able to pull something off, that's been it. The, the ability to um, turn, I can't say turn them off, but turn those voices way down listen to my own intuition, write my own script, if you will. And, um, and it's made for a magical, magical journey. And I have to say that that 
despite being white and male and growing up in, you know, the seventies, eighties, nineties, like I have virtually every advantage. And yet those, that process that I just articulated, however poorly, um, was among the most difficult, you know, journeys of my life. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that you, you know, felt emotional. You're like, oh my God, here's someone who's speaking my language. And that's what resonates with me. And when I talk, you know, on stages or, you know, on the internet or whatever, all over the world, there's a community that has come out of the woodwork over the past, you know, 10 to 20 years of my career. That's like, yes. And those are the people that I want to connect with and help them achieve their dreams. And, you know, it's a, it's a long and winding journey, but uh, I know I I'm guessing that that's why I'm on the show here. And it's a reasonably valuable place for us to spend some time talking. Yeah. And uh, the idea of community is so vital to today's conversation. And I see as kind of our part two, because one of the discoveries that I've had myself being extremely introverted is I spent most of my career, small, dark room, I'm going to get great at my craft and I'm going to just yeah. it completely develop this, uh, the sense of myopic, this is all that I do. And then I sit around realizing, oh, People kind of need to know that I'm awesome at my craft. So I've spent years honing and developing a community and similar to you without knowing you first have been building my own global online community just as much for my own needs and my own purposes as to also help them develop community. Yep. But yep. what I've discovered, and this is where I want to start, like I said, that's the part two of this. It's really hard to find your community and your people if you don't really know what your creative calling is and work that's really meaningful to you. Otherwise, yep. you surround yourself with the wrong people people. And yep. you've talked about essentially if what I like to often do is extract one sentence from an entire book of thousands and thousands of sentences. And the one that popped off the page for me where I'm like, oh my God, have to get to know Chase. It was the following. Creativity is a life amplifier. It's as fundamental to our well-being as physical fitness, proper nutrition, mindfulness. You've called it the new literacy. And you even go as far to say that creativity is a critical human function. So it's not, well, you know, I like to be creative on my side time when I'm not working on my job. You really believe that creativity, and obviously I do too, is absolutely vital to being authentic to who we are. Yeah. So how do we, number one, just accept and embrace that? But number two, how do we actually figure out what our creative calling is? Yeah, I wrote a book that was 80,000 words about that. So the, <laughs> I would direct you there. Um, but, you know, to try and put a, a tidy little bow on it, um, it's really easy. Well, first of all, I believe that based on, you know, your listenership that, you know, we're preaching to the crowd, as they say, or preaching to the choir, choir. Um, and yet, you know, so most people who are listening or watching will identify as creators or creative or at least creative curious. And for, for that group, I believe we have a lot of work to do. And there are a bunch of people who, and you know, every listener is going to know one or two or 10 or a hundred of these people, which they don't identify as that. And they're like, Oh, I'm not really that creative. I'm, and what I would, I would offer for all of us to get on the same page here is, Hey, look, you can deny it just for so long, but if you look around, you, you actually have agency over your life. And if you have, there's a couple fundamental principles that I ask people to, um, to pay attention to. And, and one that the, the creative, the, the human being is differentiated from most of the other species on the planet 
almost entirely because of our creativity. So, you know, we have the ability to put multiple things together and form new and useful um, things and words and phrases and concepts. And, and that is actually the fundamental definition of creativity. So it's sort of, it's inseparable to talk about creativity and being human. Those, there's, they can't possibly be together because that's what we are a creative machine. You know, that's what our, our lives are. So if you buy that for just a second, you have, you end up at the phrase, well, everyone is creative. If you can, if you can hold that, and this is for the accountants in the audience today, and for anyone who hasn't identified as that, that everyone's creative. The next thing then is like, okay, well, what is creativity like? How does it manifest? What does it feel like? Well, just like so many other things in our world, it's, it's like a muscle. And it's, you know, I think Maya Angelou said it best, creativity is an infinite resource. The more you use, the more you have. And if you can put point one together, everyone's creative. Creativity is then a muscle that the more you use it, the more you have. Where then we get very quickly, it's, it's only through using that muscle in small, lightweight, daily, everyday use that you can develop the muscle to be the superpower. You have to use it on a regular basis. And in, it's through creating small daily things, whether this is a project you're sitting in front of, you know, premiere or you're directing a symphony or you're, you know, writing a book or in your journal or taking pictures, whatever your creative calling might be. It's through doing that and a set of things that are like that over and over and over that not only do you create these individual products, but if you zoom out far enough, you recognize that you're actually creating your life. And that is, you know, if we're creating that life, why not make that a masterpiece? So then the question becomes, well, how do we do that? You know, that's the, the, to me, the, the essence of, of creative calling, what makes us different and, and why creativity is valuable because it literally underpins the fabric of everything we do, How, what, what, what way we choose to drive home from, even if we have a J-O-B, there are lightweight ways that you can infuse this into every moment. And to become more aware of that is to become more creative, to put that creativity, that creativity, that, that mojo that you feel to use on a regular basis, strengthens that muscle. And then you start to be able, uh, as I, I'm going to make an assumption here that that's part of what you felt when you maybe when you read the book or you're like, oh, my gosh, this is bigger than, you know, me sitting in the edit bay toiling. This is actually what I'm here to do is create, a, a, you know, make a masterpiece of this one precious life that we get. Yeah. And I know that there's a concept that you talk about, about like creating your mosaic. And I think it was this idea of really seeing that there's so much more that I can bring by understanding the combination and the connection yeah. of all the different things that I do. And I recently had uh, Joey Cafone on the podcast, who I know you're Love equally Joey. obsessed with. Yeah, um, great. And this idea of creativity isn't I have to come up with original brand new ideas. It's all about how do I connect things? Yes. And it was really the combination of discovering him, discovering you, and then discovering David Epstein, who I also know that you're somewhat obsessed with this yes. idea of it's not and this is something that I hear from my students and my coaching program all the time that I experienced is this idea that you reach kind of this this realization near midlife of I've been doing this one thing and now I have to start over. You think that it's all oh my God, I've got to start from scratch and all of this was a waste of time. I walked the wrong path. 
And when I realized that my creative calling is this Venn diagram of all these unique things that I've done, like I've got a high level of expertise in editing. If you look at where I am as an American Ninja Warrior compared to other American Ninja Warriors, not so good. You look at where I am with my skills as a Ninja Warrior and also being an editor, I'm probably one of the best in the entire world, right? And then you infuse my knowledge of building community, of teaching, et cetera, et cetera. That's when I got really excited as opposed to, man, like I'm wasting all this time and I'm so ADD versus the center of that Venn diagram is really, really powerful. And clearly, I know that's something that you can relate to. And I want to, I want to help people better understand how do I really find the value and find the center of that diagram for myself? It's a, it's a beautiful visual that you've cultivated there. And, you know, I I have a phrase that no effort is ever wasted. And so despite, you know, you look back and to, to paraphrase Steve Jobs, you don't, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. You, you can't necessarily connect them looking forward. So when you look backwards and then you look to where you are like, oh, now it makes sense. I went to this school, I took this job, or I had this relationship, or I quit this job, or I got out of this relationship, or I had this, this trauma or this hardship or whatever. And that got me to right here. It's, to me, that is a, if you take that same sort of metaphor or concept, and then you map it to, let's just talk about specifically your career, how you want to spend your time, like, oh, wow, you know, this whole ninja warrior thing that I got on this kick, man, what a waste of time. Well, if you take the, the lens on that, that no efforts ever wasted, you're like, wow, what did that give me? What, 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 what are my takeaways from that? And how do I apply that such that, as you said, this Venn diagram, you start to become really interesting and unique. What your job then becomes, and this goes back to the title of my book, Creative Calling, it's like your job is to then identify that. What is this Venn diagram of things for which you are uniquely the best in the world? It's so much more valuable for you to be the best you than a dang good somebody else. You're like, well, I want to be Selma Hayek or I want to be Oprah. How about instead of being a second rate Oprah, you be a first rate you and what does that look like? So you have to, this, this is where it gets confusing for people because we're seeking all this stuff out there. Well, I want to be like X or be like Y. And if you can, there's a slight distinction. It's like, cool, I want to be inspired by X or inspired by Y, but I want to be the best me. What that does is it turns that sort of seeking from out there to in here. And that is where it's a tremendous sense of personal power comes from that. And I'm guessing that was your experience when you realized that, oh my God, all this Venn diagram, well, I'm an okay editor and I'm a really good editor and I'm an okay ninja warrior. And I'm like, shit, but what about ninja warrior editor? Like, I can't, do I make, you know, do I edit that show? Cause I know so much about it, you know? And that's very much how I got started to, you know, honestly, I was passionate about being outside. I, you know, skied and grew up skiing and climbing and fly fishing and doing all these outdoor activities. My grandfather died. I was willed his camera. I had a passion for it and started experimenting. And the best thing for me to experiment was things that I was already doing. And so I, I combined this, my love for the outdoors and action sports and surfing and skiing, fly fishing, all these things with this newfound passion of photography. And it was 
was I one of the best photographers in the world? Not on a, you know, on a scale of photography with a capital P. Was I one of the best athletes in the world? No, but I could, you know, my friends and were sponsored professional athletes and I could keep up with them and do the same things. But holy smokes, you put those two things together. Am I one of the best action sports photographers? Because I can do this shit. I know what good looks like. I know what great looks like. I surround myself with those people and I'm a damn good photographer. Well, all of a sudden, very akin to what you shared, wow, I am one, one of the best action sports and lifestyle photographers in the world because I, I live it. So I would ask the listeners, what are, what, what is that amalgam of things? If you look internal, you know, this is again, this is why this is an internal journey. The calling isn't necessarily out there, right? It's in here and it's, a, it's not a trumpet. It's not a fucking bugle. It's, 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 and it's no one standing in the, you know, screaming in your ear. It's like a whisper. And the reason it's a whisper is because it is a whisper relative to all the other inputs we have in the world. This is our parents telling us what we need to do. Our friends are, you know, this goes back to the, you know, our opening sort of our, our opening salvo, which was, why is this so hard? Well, when you can learn to quiet all those things, when you're willing to be misunderstood for a little while while you're figuring this out and you can start to listen, you buy time through, you know, exercise, meditation, whatever, like whatever you can do to go in and focus a little bit, then you start to be able to hear that. And that is very powerful, very exciting. And I would say the most valuable thing that we can begin our or sort of rebegin our journey toward who we were meant to be or become. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it was a whisper because I was just about to step in and say the same thing because we're totally on the same page. It's a whisper, but it just doesn't stop. Yeah. It just continually and repeatedly reminds you, no, no, that this is the thing that you're meant to be doing. Pay attention. Then again, all this noise, wait, I didn't hear you. What was that? And what I have found with so many of my students is that they get to this point where they're ready to make this major career transition or life transition. And they think to themselves, why is this so hard? Why don't I have this figured out? And then I break it down for them. How much of this have you actually been taught how to navigate a world without immense amount of structure or immense amounts of accountability? And our educational system was not designed to facilitate creative minds to flourish. And I know that you very much feel the same way about yeah. this that I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the education system and, you know, God bless our, our teachers. My wife is a teacher for a long time. And Me I do. I didn't even know that. But my wife is yeah. a third grade teacher as well. I developed a lot of insight from the public school system. Uh, through just, you know, riding shotgun with your life partner. And, and, you know, she worked as hard as I've ever seen anyone work before. And it, it, it is just not set up the way it should. And there's all kinds of rationale for why it's set up the way it is. And um, when I, by set up, I mean that sort of everyone, you know, based on your age, you go into the factory on one end and then you march through the factory, you know, and everyone's going along at the same time, learning the same things at the same rate or expected to. And then you come out the other end, you're supposed to, you know, have n number of skills and number of, you know, attributes. And, you know, that's just not how human beings work. And it's very efficient and effective. It was based on the factory in the, you know, the 18, 1900s. And the farm, you know, we, we, why don't we go to school in the summer? That's literally so we can harvest. I mean, that is, you know, that doesn't make any sense, but rather than throw rocks at, you know, this big evil overlord who set us up to fail, 
this is one of the reasons I believe that we have to, and when you start to, again, develop this idea that you are a creator, that you're creating a masterpiece with your life and you look at the system, the system may be failing you um, or your kids or your friends or whatever. And to have the courage to realize that, okay, I'm either going to continue to play this game with my left hand and then with all of my other energy, I'm going to pursue I'm responsible for taking, you know, my own education and my own schooling and my own personal development, growth, hacking, like however you want to talk about it. I'm willing to own that. Again, the, what I keep coming back to is then that then it gets really interesting, really exciting. You start to feel energy like, wait a minute. I mean, I'm just to give you an, an, uh, an analog, which is going to date me a little bit. When I first got really passionate about photography, this is before the goddamn Internet. <laughs> and I would go to the library, go to a card catalog. And with my little fingers, I would flip through all these, the photography section. And I would go grab all these photography books off the shelf and sit down in the library, check some out. I would go to the newsstand and buy every magazine that I could afford. And I couldn't afford very many. So I would end up sitting at the Barnes and Noble for hours, thumbing through all of the action sports magazines, taking notes on what photographers were shooting, where were they going? What athletes were they working with? This is when I realized this is while I've got, uh, I've got graduate school in the backdrop here. I was in a PhD program in philosophy and I'm thinking this feels entirely useless. And there wasn't, I mean, there's some value there. Sure. Learning how to think critically and write and all those things. But, and then I'm thinking about the education that I'm giving myself on a daily basis by devouring books on photography and climbing and skiing and, and is watching, you know, ski and snowboard films is, could that be educational? Well, shit, if you're going to start to make those as your career, of course, that's like a studying cinema valuable for a filmmaker. Of course it is. And yet it doesn't look like what has been prescribed to us as learning. So we have discounted it. And as soon as you can realize that you either have to play the game or you're willing to put that game on the shelf and focus, trust your intuition, pull on the threads that are interesting that you're, where your curiosity takes you. Oh my God, the world becomes fascinating. And you can you acknowledge that, no, this is my studying. I am learning. What it is not is fucking scrolling Instagram. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Separate conversation. But I'm talking about ways to engage your brain and sure you that, you know, 10% or 5% of your research time might be spent there. But I'm talking about really expanding your horizon, not sitting hunched over on your couch, scrolling Instagram, but engaging in your own personal development. Things get really interesting really quickly. Yeah. And the only caveat to that is you shouldn't be scrolling Instagram except following Chase Jarvis. Right. And I, I say Bingo. that I say that partially jokingly, but imagine if you took 30 minutes a day and you scrolled Instagram, but it was a very carefully curated following list of sure. Chase Jarvis and Ramit Sethi and yep. Tim Ferriss yep. and David Epstein. And these are the only voices sure. you hear. In a sense, you're as you've talked about creating your own mentor and it's a digital yes. version of a mentor. Yep. But one one of the, the things that you saw, kind of like Wayne Gretzky saying, you don't skate to the puck, you skate to where the puck is going to be. Indeed. You knew 10, 15 years ago that and even before that that the secret is that everybody's trying to keep secrets about our craft and i'm just going to open up the world to all these secrets about photography and the creative process when information was incredibly valuable and it was hard to get right yeah. so you you saw that coming and, and i saw that in information wanted to be free and if we've got this thing called the internet are you going to keep a lid on the internet it was a very you know philosophical and simple fundamental question and i very quickly got to a uh, not possible 
okay, then what is, where, what does that mean? Where are we going with this? And you could, I could see where it was going. It was just like, you're gonna be able to like type anything and get the answers to, you know, you know, so-and-so's lighting technique or this person's, you know, what kind of, you know, camera or technology are they using to get that look? Or that was all going to become instantly knowable. Well, shoot. When everyone else is still hoarding that information and thinking that the kind of lights they use or the, the way that they, you know, treat something in post-production is going to be is so special. That's they're differentiating. Well, God, that's pretty flimsy. Let's lean into the opposite, which was let's get all the information out there and start sort of rising tide floats all boats in the process of doing that. That's what actually built a community around me and my work was the ability to point that out, share what was going on at that point in specifically photography and later in, you know, building venture backed, you know, businesses and whatnot. But it, and as you said, you see it going there and skate to the, where the puck's going to be. And the thing is, is I'm telling this from my point of view, but everyone has this in their own experience. Like, where's the puck that you're interested in, in your Venn diagram, where is it going? And how can you go to that spot now? What journey would it look like? What strings would you pull on? What threads, who would you spend time with? Where would you spend your attention? Like that is available to everyone. And here's the punchline is it's also a really creative process. You start to realize those things. Learning becomes fun, how you spend your time, who you choose to hang out with, all these things that used to feel like either passive or um, or detrimental. You start to realize that, wait a minute, I'm trimming a bonsai tree here. I'm shaping my life in a way that is incredibly valuable for me, incredibly constructive. And holy shit, I start to see the best version of myself, which I didn't know existed because I was getting programmed from everybody. And wow, what a transformation. What's possible with this one precious life? And not only is it fun, but it brings up another F word that I'm very obsessed with, which is fulfilling. Yes. There's this really delicate balance of being successful and being fulfilled. And the more you find the center of that Venn diagram and you embrace it, not only does your work become more fun, it becomes more fulfilling. You're energized by it. Your burnout just drastically goes down. Those are all the areas that I'm completely and totally obsessed with is how can we design our own paths? Because the world never taught us how to design this path. And not only didn't it teach us without it, like you said, being a dark overlord, it was designed to essentially make sure we fit into the assembly line or into Mm -hmm. the cubicle and just on a mass global scale we're all fighting back against this mentality and where i think the the puck is going next and you can tell me if i'm totally off base here when you started building your company access to information was the solution i think at this point access to information is almost becoming the problem because there's so much of it and you don't even know where to start and i think that it's curation of the information based on somebody's unique path and not only curating a very specific learning path, but the order in which you learn specific ideas. I think that to me is kind of the the next level and the next stage of all of this is here's where I want to go. Here's like my my asymmetric advantage, right? Like here's the, the center of that Venn diagram. What do I need to learn from what experts in what order so that I can get the results that I want, which is totally different than the regurgitation and memorization of information and concepts that we get now. Yeah. Um, and that that's the that's the nut that I'm trying to crack is how, how do you build a community around serving those people that are figuring out what that path is. And what, what I've really discovered, again, very, very independently um, of your work and then realizing I'm asking all the same questions that you've been asking. How did I not know that you existed? Where I've really focused my attention is not so much on learning the craft. It's on how do I surround myself with the right people? It's one of 
right? One of my biggest uh, uh, kind of discoveries during my American Ninja Warrior journey is that I don't have anybody in my network that I can go to. And I need to start from scratch and surround myself with mentors, surround myself with experts. And one of the ideas that I had to embrace was that I have to be the worst one in the room at this and I need to be okay with that. And I wanna dive into this idea that you say of A gamers work with A gamers and B gamers work with C gamers. Because the first time I read it, I'm like, wait, that must be a typo. B gamers work with B gamers, but it's not. So talk to me a little bit more about this idea of how to surround yourself with the right people to level up your life. There's a lot of tactic around that. And so I'm gonna park the tactic for a second and speak uh, to the concept. The, the basic premise the concept is that, look, the best in the world at anything, Ninja Warrior editor, <laughs> whatever, wherever you're Venn diagram, the best in the world want to work with other people who are the best in the world. And the, the reality is we're all, you know, if you lined us up, we're all going to have different strengths than weaknesses and whatnot. So what is best? Who's, who is the, like, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but it's the Supreme Court used to not be able to define pornography, but as the justice said, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. And it's similar here. Like who are the, who are the best in the world at your craft? Or you can, you, you, you can look at somebody's work, their experience, learn a little bit about them. I was obsessed with biographies of art of, of living and dead artists. I just used to consume one a week for several years. And it was, you know, that's how I sort of put my mosaic or my puzzle together of, you know, it's two part this and one part this. And, and when you start to understand that a players want to be around other a players, it's not a stretch. You're like, Oh, that makes sense. If you're, you know, Roger Federer and you decide how you want to spend your time on the tennis court, you, you don't want a coach. That's not very good. And even if your best friend you know, you want to spend a lot of time with your best friend, but he's a crap tennis player and you need someone to play tennis with, then he's probably not the best choice. It's maybe not the best example, but I think you can extract, you can lift and stamp that to other areas of your life. And then you look at uh, someone who's mediocre at something and those folks they tend to be self-conscious. They're aware of where their skill set lies relative to um, others where they are in their journey and through largely through ego, a B player is going to want to spend time around a C player so they can feel good about themselves. So they can be the best one in the room, nurse their ego. And that has almost a catastrophic effect, which is, Oh shit. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing a lot of hearing my own self talk and I'm doing a lot of, uh, of, preaching and pretending that I've got it all figured out surrounding myself, even when people like people get to the same skill level or even better than me, if I either, you know, bad mouthing them or steering clear of those folks, because it doesn't make me look as good. You, you can see that's just a recipe for disaster versus an A player, say an A player in, um, in video editing wants to learn you know, after effects, if you can, if you can see this other after effects expert as your peer and say, shit, you're so good at that. I want to spend time around you because you're, you know, the best person in my entire, of everyone I know at, you know, that, at that, that skill, 
Cool. And they recognize that this cool thing about talent is talent sees talent, right? And there that that often is, there's a sort of a mutual respect. And then take the that framework and map it onto who you're deciding to spend time with. Are you choosing to spend time with people who light you up, who give you energy, for whom who inspire you? Or are you spending time around people who have just the opposite effect where you're the brightest star in the room or the brightest berry on the bush or the the person who has all the knowledge and your ego is being nourished by having a handful of people who said, oh man, I love what you're doing with American Ninja Warrior and you're such a good editor and I'm just living in my mom's basement and doing what, like whatever the, you know, oh, that's so cool. Then, and you're feeling good about that stuff. This is not a stretch, right? What we're trying to do is make the things available and develop an awareness for your listeners, for each of us individually, and so that we can actually make some changes in, in our life, you know, becoming aware of these things. It's not science. It's not superhuman vision that lays this out. It's like it's being in touch with reality. Shit. Turns out that A players hang out with other A players and B players want to have their, their, their ego nourished. So I would ask your listeners, what camp are you in? And if you find yourself in a camp where you're, as you said, the smartest person in the room, what can you do? What series of changes can you do with your community through, you know, mentorship, through who you're, what you're, what information you're consuming to put yourself in sort of that inspired learning mode rather than the other way around? Love all of that. A couple of things that I want to add to it. The first of which is that from my students, I know that oftentimes if you say to them, you want to connect with the best people in the world. <laughs> oh, I could, I could never do that. I'm, I'm just going to be bothering them. And why would they want to help little old me? Um, what I will often advise them of is like your quote unquote expert doesn't have to be the best in the world. It's somebody that's just a little bit further ahead that's achieved already what you want to achieve next. And sometimes that kind of takes the 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 fear out of it. Sure. So I want to dig into that a little bit, but then uh, part and parcel with that, um, how do we also look at this idea of, well, sure, it'd be great to surround myself with A players, but I don't, I don't believe that I'm an A player. I see myself where I identify as a C player or a B player, and I'm not worthy of being in that circle. So how do we kind of look at sure. this from those two different lenses and go into some of these tactics that you talk sure, about? Sure, let's go to the, the, the second one first. So sure. if I'm a C player, well, you're an A player in something. What are you an A player in? Or what can you become an A player in really quickly? I believe that we have to go deep into something that we really love to become a master at that thing because it's through the process of developing mastery that we can then recognize mastery for what it is, understand, learn how we learn, and then in turn that accelerates our learning in every other aspect of our life from that front forward. So what can you become great at? Also, if you are not a master at something or you're not great at something or you're a C player in a world where you want to become an A player, look into your wallet and say, what am I an A player at? Or how could I throw energy and time at supporting the A players that I know in the world? And this has very much to do with community. How can I become a member of an A player's community? What do I have to offer? even if that is just your time and attention. This is why trying to get into those rooms, not through creepy, weird ways, but if you commented on every one of my Instagram posts for the next two years, I would know your name. 
And that's, and notice you're not calling me and say, can I have an hour? Will you review my portfolio? Can you connect me to Richard Branson? That's just dipshit moves there. Those, that's just like, who, who are you to ask for my time? I don't know you. Are you going to give random Joe off the street, you know, two hours of your time when time is the one most precious commodity? It, you might say yes until you have a thousand people ask you for an hour. I do not need coffee anymore. I need someone to support the ideas that I'm putting out in the world to buy my books and help other people see and hear about them. That is available to every single person who's listening right now. If there are people in your world that you respect and appreciate and admire their work, how can you become a champion of their work for so long and, and be so dedicated to that that they can't help but recognize you? That's a great start. I'm not saying that's the end all be all. But that is an example of hacking the system where you don't have to try and be my friend. I will become your internet friend by you supporting my work over and over and over because I can't help but notice it. Be the person who's tireless at that. Now, there are all sorts of other techniques, again, that I think are very well articulated in creative calling. And I, I just noticed it's 30% off on Amazon. <laughs> my assistant, Julie, just shot that to me just now. Um, but it, the the concept of what is it that you're interested in and how can you support that? Or what are you an A player in and how can you bring that to bear in the area that you are a C player, but want to become an A player? These are, you know, a well, a great life is not, doesn't just happen. It is designed. It is planned. You do not end up with a gorgeous, architecturally rich, recognized, award-winning, badass house by just fucking hammering some random boards together. It's strategized. It's thoughtful. It's planned. And so are so ought your life. And so whether you're in, you know, where wherever you are in whatever area of focus, however, what what whatever your development in that area is start to look around and assess the system for what it is. Like, where, where am I great? Where am I deficient? Where, how can I build my community? Like these are, there are books that are written about this. See mine. There are communities that you can participate on the internet. See yours. There are all kinds of ways that you can actually learn. And these are skills to be very clear. These are skills that if you do not work on these skills, you would not get good at them. And so expecting you'd be good at a skill that you've never practiced that's where, you know, where to your points earlier, we sort of feel let down by the learning system, by the teaching system, the learning system, or the school system. But if you can shift that mentality and take ownership and responsibility for that, the answers are all there and they're hiding in plain sight. It just takes a little bit of work. Uh, that, I believe, is what we call a mic drop moment. Um, I'm going to need a chiropractic adjustment for all the head nodding that I have been doing that people can't see if they're listening. Um, and you, I literally just about totally interrupted you with the most ridiculous laughing when you said, I don't need more coffee. Right. And I I'm not I'm certainly not at the level that you are, but I can very much relate to that where it's a constant influx of outreach all day, every day. Yeah. And I teach to my students when we're learning the process of networking, it has to be about providing value for first, yep. not taking, but the outreach that I get is so bad. I actually have a collection of it. I have what's called a bad outreach collection and I teach it and I break it down because <laughs> there's so much of it. And if you just provide value to somebody first, you immediately are in the, you're in the top 1%. And I actually, I want to peel the, the curtain back a little bit for the audience and even a little bit for you. The reason you're actually on this show 
And this goes into this idea of tactics. The reason that you're here today, because what the level that you're at, the size of your audience, there is no tremendous like, oh my God, this is a huge opportunity for me, Chase Jarvis, who already has 10 million students, best-selling book, to completely expand my audience. You're here because of a mutually, uh, an introduction that was facilitated through a mutual friend um, whom you really respect, who is my business mentor, who's Ramit Sethi. And going mm -hmm. back to this idea of providing value to somebody's community first, I heard Ramit on the Tim Ferriss podcast way back, like 2015, when Tim was just starting his podcast. And I was at the point of making the career transition of, I don't want to be just an editor anymore. I want to go in this other direction that I've now gone. I heard him on the show and I'm like, that's the guy. If there's one person in the world that can help me better understand how to take all of these various skills and package them to provide value to others and make an income. It's for me. So I joined his uh, flagship uh, program, which is now called Earnable. At the time, it's called Zero to Launch. And this is a very ballsy move. As soon as I joined, I emailed Ramit directly. And I basically said, in so many words, you don't know me yet, but a year from now, I'm going to be one of your student testimonials of somebody that has completely devoured your program and has gotten results from it so that I can inspire your other students to do the same. And I am now routinely featured in his emails as one of those success stories that inspires his other students. He flew me out to New York to be on the stage and talk about my journey. But it wasn't about, hey, Ramit, I paid you money. Now you need to help me. It was, here's how I want to help you. I want to help your community. And I was in his Facebook group every day, like, here are my challenges. Here's what I screwed up today. Here's tomorrow's struggle. And I was building this entire conversation and I love that. It's not a matter of, well, quid pro quo. I gave you this value, so now you owe me something. I just love providing that value to other people. And you're here today because I gave that value to him. We've developed a good relationship. Yep. And then because he facilitated the mutual introduction, you're willing to take an hour out of your life. For sure. That's, that, to me, is how it's done if you want to it's, find these people that are A players. It's a beautiful breakdown. And I'll, I'll add one other thing here, um, which is part of a very important piece of that puzzle is you emailed Ramit and said, I'm going to be, you know, an A student in your class. And I don't know if you know this, or I'm going to say how I would treat that. I was like, I would say, sweet. Let me see it. Prove it. Because I've received a thousand of those emails and 10 have manifested as the person predicted. And because, you know, the, and the, why I'm sharing this is because it's not what you say, it's what you actually do that matters. It's not what you think from the couch. It's what you get out there and do. This is why I have another phrase, action over intellect. Like if you're sitting there trying to plan out the most perfect, you know, step-by-step -step process or the, it's like, look, it's 90%, you know, doing 10% planning. So once you've planned for 10 minutes, you need to be, you know, working for 90 minutes. And if you extrapolate that out, out to the scale of your life, you start to get a picture. And so I, I wouldn't frown on sending that email. That's great. But I don't, I don't want your listeners to misunderstand because what you actually did is you did the fucking work and the work looked like showing up in the community every single day. And Ramit didn't, didn't fly you to New York because you sent a nice fucking email. He flew to New York because you did the work in his community, you added value, and you didn't ask for something. I think it's a very important distinction. And the cool thing here is that that is available to every person who's listening. 
There is not a, you do not have to spend $50,000 and get a piece of paper to do that work. You do not have to fly to Paris, wear a beret and smoke some cigarettes and become super creative. You, all this shit is available to you right now, today. Like it's, you literally can start while you're listening to the show, you can start reaching out to people in a community that you want to be a part of and adding value. Even if the value is, you know, liking, commenting, offering uh, your own personal experiences and, you know, being a positive person in a, in an otherwise dark spot, like those are valuable attributes. Yeah. And the last thing I want to add to this to, to layer on it that I think goes back to, well, what if I feel like I'm a C player that wants to be surrounded by A players? It's so much more about your character and your identity than your specific area of expertise. Yep. Because if I've done, like you said, you kind of have to master one thing first. If you demonstrated you're the kind of person that puts in the work to master a craft, the right people will recognize that and see you can apply it to others. Whereas if I had just sent that email to Ramit and I hadn't followed through, well, I'm not the kind of person that's going to follow through with that. But for example, when I started a relationship with Tony Horton, creator of P90X, I'm like, dude, my one of the things on my bucket list, I want to be a cast member of one of your workout programs. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, whatever, right? Three years later, boom, cast member in P90X4, right? Oh, I'm, I'm going to be a ninja warrior and I'm going to be taught by the world's best. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Especially, you know, winning dad bod award competitions, you know, at the age of 40, but one of my trainers is literally on the 50 foot banner and is known worldwide as one of the top uh, ninjas in the sport. So the words are one thing being willing to put in the work and play the long game of chess for years, years. to make it happen. Yeah. That's the component that most people miss. It's a long game of years to make this for sure. happen. And, but this is also why you should, you can invest all of that time in something that somebody else thinks you should do, which is fucking grueling because you're never going to, it's like you, you're going to lack that motivation. The, the, when shit gets hard and it will, it, you're just going to walk away. You're going to drop the rope. And this is why doing something that you actually care and taking the time to look inside, who am I? What am I doing? I'm going to test a few things and try some things out. No, that didn't work, but I like this. Oh, this, oh, it's the combination of these two things. Like that's an active process. You have to go through that process as a part of this process we're talking about in order to be working on the right shit. And if you do find that, oh my God, I got three quarters of the way down this journey and it's not for me. What you have learned is not that all that shit was for naught, but that cool. Now I have a new set of skills and a new, you know, a new saber in my backpack that I can then bring to the next, to the next battle. And that, if that doesn't energize you, then, you know, you need to check into a, you need to take a vacation. You need to put a, take a load off, just like get yourself straight because that should fire you up. And if it doesn't, I can't help you. According to my notes, we're about uh, 50 minutes into a six and a half hour conversation. <laughs> However, um, as much as I'm enjoying this, as much as I'm totally in the zone, I want to be very respectful of your time and all the many other endeavors and creative callings that you have to accomplish. Uh, <laughs> but before we leave our audience, I do sure. want to make sure they know exactly where to find you, where to find your work so they can be a part of your community. They can awesome. support it and they can provide value. Where should I be sending people? Awesome, Zach. Thank you very much for, for having me on the show. Um, I admire a lot of things of, of just not, not just on what you've said today, but Ramit has shared uh, many of your attributes with me prior to our introduction and what you're saying, like you're speaking the truth, just so people are aware, like all of this stuff, you haven't said anything that is antithetical toward anything that I believe. Um, so uh, first of all, thank you for that. 
and you're on the, you know, a beautiful path and blazing a trail for yourself, which I think is really exciting. The second thing is if people do, if any of this has resonated, um, of course, I'm just Chase Jarvis on all the social platforms. And I feel like, you know, I, I took years to write a book called Creative Calling, which has all this stuff in a very tidy format. And uh, I, I did my own stunts. So if you like audiobooks, I read my own, <laughs> I read, 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 read the, uh, that was a grueling process. You lock yourself in a little room for f- five or six days to, uh, but I did I, either one of those, the, the actual book, the hardback Kindle, like I'm not attached to whatever version you get, but the, it's, it's good stuff. And it's very helpful to put you on the path. If, if any of this stuff has resonated, I'm just Chase Jarvis everywhere. Don't email me and ask me for coffee. Um, do all that other shit first. Yeah, I love it. So Chase Jarvis, Creative Calling. We're going to make sure all the show notes are at optimizeyourself.me slash podcast. Um, I'm going to be beaming from this interview for at least the next four weeks. I love uh, it. cannot thank you again for, for this time. And I, I hope that I've earned the opportunity to help you publicize that next book when it comes out. And boy, am I going to be on the pre-order list. I love it. I love it. And uh, what I, you know, just a little inside baseball here for the listeners. What I shared with Zach is I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing specifically to go talk to my editor about my next book, which I'm 50,000 words into an 80,000 word book. And it's very exciting to me. So, um, but start at the start, go check out creative calling. Um, and also I would I'd, I'd give a note to creative live, which is an online learning platform that I started uh, some gosh, 13 years ago, uh, which Zach alluded to that company has been acquired by a large public company. I'm no longer associated with it, but I believe deeply in the ability to learn from smart, wise people on the internet. I had Ramit as a teacher on that platform decades, <laughs> more than a decade ago. Um, Pre-beard, you wouldn't even recognize him. He looks like a baby in some of those videos. <laughs> I know. Uh, the same with Tim. Tim uh, taught an amazing class on that platform. Um, so, you know, that's worth your time. But creative calling is where I'd, where I'd steer, steer you. I love it. Well, thank you so much once again. This has meant the world to me. And I hope that uh, I can spread your work to an entirely new audience of people, specifically in the Hollywood entertainment industry and creative community. Awesome. Love it. Thanks again for having me in the show, Zach, and to everybody out there. Good luck. I got your back. I think you can do it. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.